Okay, so this morning we had, we had uh, uh, Gabe share uh, how God was ministering to him, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Heart there is lab, L-E-B. In the Hebrew, it means mind. So with every thought, let it be trust. So trust in the Lord with all your, your heart, your mind, and then the result will be you won't lean to your own understanding. Then in all your ways, acknowledge him. See, we have to acknowledge him in every circumstance and situation because if we don't acknowledge him, and acknowledging him, really it means trusting him, and when we don't, Okay, if we don't acknowledge him, then that situation or that circumstance becomes my guide and not God in the midst of my circumstances and situations. That's what becomes my guide. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. How many? That's how you think in your whole thought life. Before we do anything, there's a thought. There's a thought, even if it's an, an unconscious or a subconscious thought, because we have that. We have the conscience, we have the subconscious, and the unconscious mind. So Proverbs 3, 6 says, Trust, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Result, he will direct your paths. So there's, there is the contrast. There's the contrast. So there's our own understanding that we can lean to, or trust in the Lord, and knowledge him, and then he will direct my path. So it's he directing my paths or my own thought life. Right? And that's what it says in those two verses. And then he mentioned Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. <clears throat> my son, don't des despise not the chastening of the Lord, for whom the Lord loves. He, he corrects. He lovingly corrects. So don't, don't, don't weary of it. Really, what those verses are saying there in Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 and it's brought out in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it's starting at verse 4 and going right to the end of the chapter in the 29th verse. What it's saying there is, don't be weary. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to be weary with constant correction because that speaks of growth. And it is the love of God that's doing it. So in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, we are to grow in grace and knowledge. Now, when we grow in grace, what are we growing in? Well, God's love can only flow through grace because who deserves him? <laughs> no one, no even unfallen angel deserves him. There's, there's no merit in themselves at all. So we said this morning, the word trust there in the Hebrew is, is one of the meanings, and there's, there's like, I think there's, I believe there's like nine different meanings to it, but the word is batak, B-A-T-A-C-H. And what that means, that word there, trust there, it means to attach. And what it's teaching is this. Here's what it's teaching. It's not only teaching that we do need to have knowledge. We do need to have it. But what it's teaching there is that we can have knowledge, but when we don't submit to God, it doesn't become experiential and can just lift us up in the pride of the flesh in the believer. That's what can happen. So God's plan, we were sharing the other day, is designed to humble us because in 1 Peter 5, 6, and in James 4 and verse 6, those are the ones that he graces out with his, with his presence. In other words, I have 
a reality experience. They have a real experience of who he is. And so God is not just some God way up in heaven and that's it. No, he's through his son given, given to us. We are to experience him because of what his son has accomplished through the Father and for us in a very individual way. So God's plan is designed to humble us. Now, we can have knowledge about the word of God, but then the plan of God comes in to humble us. And what it does is it breaks. And that's what it's talking about. God has to break, even in areas where we have knowledge, he has to break the flesh in that knowledge where we can hold it. And it's not experience. And then it can just become frustration and irritation. Because to know something and not to do it. Again, in James 4 and verse 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin, it says. It's just sin. And so there's no good in us apart from his word functioning in our experience. We've been positioned in him, but that's what, that, that's what is being brought out in these particular scriptures here. So, again, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So I can have knowledge, but if I don't have experience, it's just pride that lifts me up. And, we, and God has taught us before, God has never given us, first and foremost, the gift of his son to elevate us in the flesh, but to humble us in his presence. And I can always know when I'm in God's presence, the only way I can actually know it is when I'm humble. See, humility, humility just simply means that Christ is active in my experience. That's what it means. And if I'm not humble in an area, it's not that I'm going to be deceived, it's that I'm already deceived. And that's what pride does in Obadiah, the third verse. It lifts us up and we become deceived. And, and the enemy can use knowledge that way too. But what does knowledge do apart from proper experience? In 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3, it puffs up. It puffs up. And that's what happens to the devil. We fall in first. At first, first Timothy three and verse six, they they fall into the condemnation of the devil. Any of us can through through pride being puffed up, and it's like we talked about smoke in the room this morning. It's a smoke screen, and that's what that word puffed up in First Timothy three and verse six is bringing out. It's puffed up. So God's plan is designed to humble us in in each area of growth where there's not a proper experience through his love flowing through grace, and that's again his chastisement. Many times the first step of God's grace is chastisement, and that's love. Because who deserves to be loved? Is there any desert in us to be loved by God? And there's not. But what that word Bartok means in, in, in Proverbs 3 and verse 5 is, I become attached so we in our flesh we're in Christ positionally, but we can get attached to knowledge. The flesh will attach knowledge to itself, but no proper experience. God comes in and he breaks it through a process of things that we go through, those things we don't like, because in areas we are so ignorant, ignorant, and that just means we don't know, but we're ignorant in areas of our life where there is not a proper experience. In other words, where Christ isn't reigning in my thought life. He's not. 
in all of our lives. That's why it says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we grow by that, okay? So God comes in and he has to break that. He has to break it. Like he has to break people down to bring them to a place of self-helplessness and self-hopelessness in even salvation, in receiving Christ as their Savior. But then once we get saved and we grow, when it's not a proper experience, Christ reigning in me through humility and through grace and him exalting me with the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2, 16. If he doesn't do that, all I do in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14 is function in a natural mind as a Christian with knowledge. And what good does it do me? Yeah, I know that. I can't tell you how many times people have said, yeah, I know that, but. <laughs> and their but, what they're saying is I know it, but what they're saying is I, I know that declarative knowledge, but. I know that, but, and what's the but? I don't experience it. I'm not experiencing him. Who's my life? I say I have life, but do I experience it? I say I have peace, but do I experience peace? And by the way, peace, peace, it is an experience, but first and foremost, it's a fact. It's an absolute fact. Because in Colossians 1 verse 20, it says that Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. I have I have peace that's based upon a fact, first and foremost, and in that sense, it doesn't have to do with experience. You can experience peace. That's why we need to be broken of these attachments. And so we become attached to certain things, certain things we like, certain things. And, and the enemy uses them in the subtlety of, of his lies, in that way, he does, that replaces Christ. And then God's plan, because he saw everything about us before it happened, by the way. <laughs> everything. He saw every single one of our circumstances and situations. Everything. Before we were born. Long before we were born. And that's what he was saying to Jeremiah before you came uh, before, uh, I knew you before you were even formed in the belly of your mom. That's Jeremiah 1, 5. He said the same thing to Paul in Galatians 1 and verse 15. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart. That had to do with his plan. And we each have a personal plan because we each have a personal Savior who is the, who is the very cause of that work, working that out so we have a proper effect, a proper experience. So he comes in and his plan is to break these things that have become attached in our minds and we think we need these things, and, you know. And he breaks that thing and, that, and, and it's really, we said the other day, it's not, listen, if Christ doesn't possess us, then our possessions possess us. They become attached to us. And the enemy has these things. He does. He has these things to attach them to those lust patterns we have, those areas of the flesh where there's not a proper experience. And so God's plan is designed to come in and break them. And that's why it says in Psalm 51 and verse 17 and in Psalm 34 and verse 18, the sacrifices of God are a what? A broken spirit 
and a contrite heart. God does not lightly esteem those at all. And so his plan is, comes in to break these things that have become attached to us. A lot of those we know in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4 are called strongholds. And what is a stronghold? Something that's stronger than me and holds it to me. That's why it says in Romans 7, 18, I know in me that's in, in the flesh dwells what? No good thing. Because there I may have knowledge and declare it. I, I may know the Bible in declarative knowledge. But how to perform that in 721 of Romans, I what? Find not. You, you and I will never find him out in the flesh. And so, and that's what keeps the flesh in strongholds, are these attachments. It's not that we go, it's not that we go after that. It's that we have these lust patterns that aren't fulfilled, right? Because lust is insatiable, can never be satisfied. And the enemy has these attachments to attach them to us. And that's why in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle, apt to teach. The word apt there is highly skillful in the word of God. So that he can teach those through the word that it's not God opposing them. How many times we get... In the flesh, we think God's opposing us. It's because we did this. It's because, you know, because I didn't do this, now God's opposing me. Yeah. No, no, he's not. He never opposes who we are in Christ. Who's he, what's he opposing in us? The flesh. That we become so ignorant of and forget God so easily. We forget that we're yoked up positionally in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. In Lamentations 3 and verse 27, we forget that yoke. We forget it, but, but God doesn't. So, how to perform that, I find not. That becomes very frustrating. That's the but in so many people. Yeah, I know what the word says, but. <laughs> well, if we knew and we had a proper experience, would there be any irritation in a proper experience of who Christ is in us and who we are in him? Would there be any irritation? Last time I checked, there's no irritation in grace. That's how I know I'm humble. There won't be any irritation. There won't be any doubt. There's going to be no doubt in Romans 14, 23. There's not going to be any doubt. Because when I partake of that, I'm damned. And am I damned in who I am in Christ? Is God damning me? Nope. What's doing it? The flesh. And whose who's control, who... Uh, the flesh is under whose control? Do we even think it's our control? It's not. It's under the enemy's control. So he has this plan, and it's designed to break all these attachments, these strongholds, and guess what he replaces it with? Himself, a proper experience. And that's why the Bible teaches us, as God has been teaching all of us over the years, about what positional truth is. Now it needs to become experiential. And that's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 are teaching us very, very importantly. And, it's, and, and that's why it says, don't be weary of the chastisement. The enemy wants to, us to get weary of chastisement. Or in other words, training. God taking what we think we know apart from him and bring it into an experience. Now here, here, 
just as much as those that are already in the presence of God, our loved ones and friends and many that we know, many that we don't know, many that God has used to teach us wonderful things, incredible things through, through the grace that Christ is and the truth that Christ is in them as a vessel so that we don't lift them up. We honor them. We don't, we honor them, but we only glorify Christ because that's something that Christ will never share with man in Isaiah 42 and verse 8. He'll never share his glory with anyone. The, f- the fact of his son glorifying himself and him glorifying the son in John 13, uh, 31 and 32, having glorified him. But, but the reality of the, this truth is, is that he's bringing into our experience a proper reality that's based upon a positional truth. And so that's why, again, that's why, again, it, it goes on and says, the enemy wants to make us weary of training and make us weary. Or in other words, get weary of being loved because that's all that it has to do with. Now here on this earth, here on this earth, we, just as much as those that are in heaven, have been delivered from the power of sin. That's what what 1 John 2, 1 and 2 brings out. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, see that you sin not. Really, when you study it, you, we do not have to sin. It's a choice. Just like James 4, 17 says, to him that knows to do good and does it not. That's a choice. That's a choice. We don't have to sin. But thank God, if, if we do sin, we do have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation for us, and he's the halasmos. He is the propitiation for our sin, and also for, potentially, because he's propitiated and tasted death in Hebrews 2.9 for every man, he's making that available for the whole world, the whole mass of humanity. The whole mass of humanity is not saved. Only those who receive the fact that the Father has been propitiated, and then Christ is, in recognizing that Christ is the substitute, thereby them receiving him, as their savior and having their sins dealt with. Many don't know these truths. And thank God that we can know them. But we have been delivered, back to this, we've been delivered from the power of sin. But uh, they, unlike us, have been delivered from the presence of sin. We have not yet been delivered from the presence of sin. We have the flesh in us, we're not of it. But can God use that when we refuse grace? Yeah. When we refuse grace, then he says in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, your own backslidings will correct you. And then in Numbers 32, 23, your sin will find you out. Wouldn't we rather have grace find us out? Sometimes we don't learn. We learn the hard way. We have to, and it's through sin. We don't have to learn that way. We don't have to learn that way. By the way, doubt and worry is sin, by the way. That's when God wants to make that very clear to us. That, that sin, because it's a lack of trust. Him who's already done everything for us. So when we look at these things and we look at these verses and we see them in the light of God's countenance, and the light of God, God's countenance is how he sees us in Christ in Job 36, 7. He never removes his eye from the righteous. Christ is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. 
and the fact that Christ is, is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, then it, that truth leaves us out of all boasting and glorifying other than in, in Christ himself. And that's 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 31. So that's what God's plan is. We're in child training right now. Okay, whether we're a babe, a young man, or a spiritual dad, we're all children in Galatians 3 and verse 26. And in 1 John 2, 12 and 14, in the local assembly, in the body of Christ as a whole, and in the local assembly, in, in periods of growth and maturing, there are babes, young men, spiritual dad, but we're all of us in child training. That's why even the Apostle Paul, at approximately the age of 67, was chained to a Roman guard at the end of his life so that he could be not found in his own righteousness, in Philippians 3, 9, but that he could actually get to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering in 3.10 of Philippians. And that's what he had to learn and that's what he's teaching us as we close it out this morning. In Proverbs 4, verse 11, Paul, chained to a Roman guard, chained to a Roman guard, still counseling two women in the beginning of that fourth chapter. Euodius and Syntyche, who had problems, he's still as he's still learning Christ, he's teaching others from a prison to be one because everything is dealt with. But he's still approximately 67 years of age. And he said, I want to know him. But he had to learn in whatsoever state, which is condition, state is condition, right? And that's experience. And we're going to we'll get into that. Uh, our our standing in Romans 5.1 is positional. We are standing in Christ positionally. But what is my state? Or in other words, what is my experience? This is the thing that's very, very important to us in our growth. But Paul had to learn in whatsoever condition, state that he was with, to be what? To be content. Where? I mean, can we be content in our circumstances and situations if he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but he's leading us through them, not leaving us in them? Yes. Never's going to forsake us in Hebrews 13, 5, Joshua 1, 5. Never, ever, ever, ever. And that's why it, it doesn't fail. Love doesn't fail or fade in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And love doesn't fail or fade in its instruction, in our growth, and our experience. That's what those verses are teaching us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But follow it through. If you follow those verses through, trust in the Lord with all your mind, your whole thought life, the result will be not your thoughts. You'll lean, you won't lean to your own understanding. Lean there is, is where we get our word in the Greek, pistis or pistuo, faith. It's leaning our entire self on him. Or I lean my entire self on how I perceive things. Right? And you will lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. What's that? Thought life, understanding, flesh. But reverence the Lord and, and depart from what? Because what is the source of our thinking outside of Christ? Evil. For it shall be health unto your navel. 
marrow into your bones. What is it teaching? The baby in the womb of the mother. What can the baby do? Tell me what it can do. It has an umbilical cord. It's fed through what mom, mom takes in. The mother takes in. The baby can't do anything. It can't grow unless it receives proper nutrition. Neither can we. Neither can we. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to cut the umbilical cord. Yeah. So God's plan is to humble us and to break us, not to crush us, but to exalt us, to bring us up, as we, as we, we have shared in what God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit about what Christ has accomplished, is humble yourself under the mighty, exalting hand of God so he can exalt you. And what does that mean? In your experience, bring you up into a proper reality of the fact that you are positioned in Christ and you're growing in that right now. And that growth won't stop for all eternity. That's love. <laughs> None of us deserve that. None of us deserve to be trained, to be loved, to be disciplined. None of us do. But that dessert is not based upon, right, uh, on, on us. It's based upon Jesus Christ, God the Father giving the Son, the Son giving himself to the Father in propitiation so that the Father could give the Son to us to be a substitute where we could be reconciled. And that's what God's doing. He's reconciling our experience to be equal to our position in Christ. And we're growing in that, but we're going to grow for all eternity in Ephesians 3 and verse 19.